grateful for this new year. We're grateful for this opportunity to gather with one another, gather around your word. I ask that the is acceptable uh, in your sight, and you are my rock and my redeemer. Bless these, uh, these men and our time together in your son's name. Amen. Okay, so new year. Sorry that there's not a more interesting person that's up here. It would be Mike Helvey, but he can't be here uh, with you this morning. So you've got the B team. Bear with me on that. It's, a, it's okay. It's a, it's a time of transition for many things. It's a new year. If you're a Redskins fan, it's over. If, uh, if, you're, if you're a Notre Dame football fan, it's been over for a long time. If you're, uh, if you're, if you're Army, it's good. It's really good. Uh, so, so that's awesome. We uh, we're faced with a lot of new things that are that are happening. It is uh, in other ways, it's not over. It's just the beginning. I guess if you're a fan of that team from Dallas, you're thinking about the future of football. I don't I don't know what that's like. It's been 20 years since my team was involved in anything. Yeah, you don't either. <laughs> uh, some of you are starting to pay attention to things like basketball or hockey or what have you. Winter is uh, official. Uh, okay, so if you haven't checked opm.gov, you know, every few hours you want to start building that habit uh, back up. It'll be, uh, soon it'll be time for a new administration in our nation uh, after a year that no one would have predicted. Uh, we've had some very notable people die last year, some pro athletes, some movie stars, and a sitting Supreme Court justice. So uh, with all that transition, uh, it's, an, it's a new year, and many of you are going to set some goals, and maybe, maybe you've already set some New Year's resolutions. And i got to tell you guys, I love this. I love planning. I, got, I have lists of plans. I've got, I've got plans on my computer. I've got plans on my iPad. I've got plans on my phone. I've got a dry erase board. I think I've got two at my desk. I've got a dry erase board on my fridge and another one over on the wall. I've got yellow stickies all over the place. I'm using OneNote and Apple Notes and reminders and calendars and Go tasks that I'm not sure has been maintained in years. But I love all this stuff. I just, I'm a natural planner. Uh, I was even able to find some of my goals uh, that I set for myself in 2016. And I was, I was pleased that I made most of them. Uh, and I'm thankful for that. There was one about my weight that I kind of underperformed in. Uh, in spite of Mrs. Dodnex's best efforts. And by the way, Mrs. Dodnex is my beautiful wife, Stacy, who has the spiritual gift of reminding me that diet and exercise are the key to everything. Uh, and Mrs. Dodnex has a lot of patience because she's married to Mr. Do-What-I-Want, uh, and that guy needs constant correction. So, um, And maybe you and I are distant relatives in the uh, Do-What-I-Want family. Uh, maybe we're kindred spirits in the land of planning. Maybe you're not, but maybe you come to the point we're there to be a little different. So if this is, uh, again, if this is your first time back here at base camp, you're kind of here at the right time to hear Paul talk a lot about some practical ways of living the Christian life. There's a spoiler alert I should mention, and that is you can't do it like you think you should right out of the box. You can't do it like the world does it. You need to be taught, and you need to change clothes. So we're going to open up Paul's letter to the Ephesians and start looking for some answers. Um, as a short reminder of where we've been since last fall, this is a far too brief outline of what Ephesians is. It's six chapters. The first three chapters are more or less the heavenly calling of the church. It's primarily about doctrine. 
the uh, second three uh, set of three chapters is a more practical, kind of the earthly conduct of the church. Um, Christ is our head, we are the feet and hands. Uh, we could boast of our position in Christ, but we need to get about the business of walking in him. Uh, chapter one was about the church being a body. Chapter two, the church is a temple. Chapter three is about the mystery of the church. Chapter four, where we are today, is about the new man. We're going to eventually get to chapter five starting next week, and that'll be about our, our future as a bride. And chapter six will be the church as a soldier. Um, but this is um, it's kind of where we are. Uh, before we get going, I, I do want to offer you this slightly theologically challenging uh, depiction of St. Nicholas, because it's technically still the Christmas season. Uh, but uh, rest assured, we will not be covering the doctrine of consubstantiation here today, but maybe this makes some uh, themes go on. This was a lot funnier for me in my head, but anyway. Uh, okay. This is my, my twisted sense of, of humor and the saints. All right. Here we are in Ephesians chapter 4. Verses 17 through 24. So this I say and affirm together with the Lord that you walk no longer just as the Gentiles also walk in the futility of their mind, being darkened in their understanding, excluded from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them, because of the hardness of their heart. And they, having become callous, have given themselves over to sensuality for the practice of every kind of impurity with greediness. But you did not learn Christ in this way. If indeed you have heard him and have been taught in him, just as truth is in Jesus, that in reference to your former manner of life, you lay aside the old self, which is being corrupted in accordance with the lust of deceit, and that you be renewed in the spirit of your mind and put on the new self, which in the likeness of God has been created in righteousness and holiness of the truth. This is God's word. So a quick reminder just about the translation here. This is from the New American Standard Bible. So if you see some words in italics, that means that they're not actually in the original Greek text, but those words implied as the translators believe. So just so you know. Let me just back up one here. The first part of this section, Paul's making it very clear that to go on living like our neighbors are, are doing is going to get us in all kinds of trouble. Okay, and he's emphasizing here in verse 17, this is not just his opinion. Paul does this from time to time where he'll say, this is a command from me and not from the Lord. Here he's saying, actually, this I'm affirming with the Lord. This is not just Paul's opinion. Uh, so I want to fast forward a little bit here and, and just kind of focus in on some of the threats that are involved with living life the same way everyone else around you does. These are the main themes. Keep in mind, Paul's writing to a church, so his audience is at least nominal believers. And these believers are in a, a city that's a fairly busy port city, Ephesus at the time. They're in an important part of the Roman Empire, surrounded by Roman customs and their general way of life. Some of that might be a parallel to what you experience here in the D.C. area. Paul reminds us we cannot simply continue in the way of life that everyone lives all around us. Uh, why not? So this, this list of possible errors and traps uh, and, and bad ways of thinking or living are just not going to get us where we need to go. The Gentiles, he says, 
<clears throat> are walking around in, in a futility of their mind. Uh, when Paul's talking about walking here, obviously, or maybe it's not obvious, he's not talking about physically walking around. He's talking about living out your life. This is, this is what we do, all the activities of your daily life. So the Gentiles walk in, in futility of mind. You don't see the word futility a lot in Scripture, except if you go back to the uh, book of Ecclesiastes, where Solomon talks a lot about doing this, doing that, and it's all vanity. It's all futility. It doesn't really matter. So I want to ask you, have you ever found yourself in a conversation with someone at work and, and you wonder, what is the point to this conversation? <laughs> okay, that's, that's what I mean about futility of mind. We are talking about something that just, you know, this really has no point at all. Uh, Paul also says that the Gentiles are darkened in their understanding. Um, if you haven't been taught about how to think through things, if your worldview is a little bit just like everybody else's, it's kind of like walking into a dark room. Um, and I don't know if you've, if you've tried to do that in the middle of the night, but I always get injured. I wake up the next day with bruises. I'm not sure where I got other than I, I knew I made a trip to the restroom in the middle of the night and hit something hard that I didn't, didn't intend to. It slows you down. You don't, you don't get to where you need to go when you, when you are in the dark. The way the world operates in general is a little bit dangerous for Christians in that we know we have great freedom in Christ, but we have to consider very carefully how we use our Christian freedom in a world that thinks the way to satisfaction is in sin, in a world where moral value is relative at best, in a world that confuses living with whatever it is they may be up to a world that has no real sense of right and wrong. Um, and it's, it's going to get us in a lot of trouble if we're, if we're really not careful. So what's the approach to change here that, that Paul's trying to give us? So there's four points in this back section of, of this part of, of Scripture that we're considering. The first thing that believers really need to do is we've got to get to the source of truth, which is Jesus. He's the way, the truth, and the life. And like anything else, we want to learn. We've got to hear about it, and we've got to be taught in it. You're not going to just get it on your own. It's, we're not necessarily bent this way, and we're not getting any help from the people around us. You have to go study. You have to listen, and you have to submit yourself to some teaching. Hopefully better teaching than you're getting here this morning, but get, get something that you're doing. That's why being in church on Sunday morning is really important. That's why being here is important. But you've got to submit yourself to some teaching and get near the truth. The second thing we must do, we have to be intentional about laying aside our old self. In a minute, we're going to get very practical about this stuff. But just understand that you have an old man. You have a usual way that you do things uh, for whatever reason, and you have to identify it and lay it aside on purpose. Third, Paul talks about being renewed in the spirit of our minds. Right action starts with right thinking. The, the way you view the world, your worldview matters a lot more than you, you realize. So the, that's why those first two points are really important. You have to learn the truth and you have to put aside your old way of thinking. And you've got to train your minds to think about first things first. And the first thing is that you should be glorifying God in all that you do. That's number one. 
Finally, Paul talks about putting on the new man. This is not you trying to be good on your own power. This is the work of the Holy Spirit within us, enabling us to be like Christ. When we allow the Holy Spirit to work in our lives, we are created in righteousness and holiness in the very likeness of God. I should add that this is one of the differences between the Christian faith and all the others. We Christians believe we have the very Spirit of God dwelling within us, and the Spirit is recreating us in the image of Christ. It's not about us becoming better people. It's about God conforming us to the image of his obedient son. Okay. So we talked about earlier that it's normal this time of year to consider some changes you'd like to make in your life. Maybe you've done the resolution bit, maybe not. Uh, I'm going to talk here at the end about some relatively famous resolutions. But before we do that, I want to offer a slightly... uh, possibly more practical approach or a different approach to making change. This is just a a simple framework to help you consider the various aspects of your life as we consider what we've heard this morning. These seven areas are uh, stolen, borrowed from uh, Zig Ziglar and his uh, wheel of life uh, and his notion that these are all parts of a wheel and if any part of the wheel is flat, then you can't move forward. And I think the wheel analogy is unimportant, but I do think what matters is that you begin to consider your old self, as Paul says, corrupted by lusts of deceit in light of these seven areas. To me, this is a more complete approach to change because it's not just about a resolution or three or something that's bugging you, but it's about most all of the major themes that cut across your life and touch nearly everything you do. All right, stand by for meddling. All right, everybody ready for this? So we're going to talk about money. Uh, I don't know what your old man perspective is about money. Um, you may be trying to keep up with the Joneses or the Brocks or whomever. Um, do you have a car payment? Do you have multiple car payments? Do you have lease payments? Don't tell me if you do. Uh, are you broke because you're convinced that you just got to have a comfortable car on your commute to work? Okay, that is kind of the world's way of, of thinking. Most people in the world, that's kind of their... Their approach, um, that I just, I just have to have a comfortable car, I've got it, you know, I'll always have a car payment, this, sorry, this is just the way we always do it. Okay, what about the cost of your house? Now, I'll tell you, here's a story about me. Back in 1990, uh, 1996, we came back to Virginia as a captain in the Air Force, and I was convinced that I should have a four-bedroom house for me and my two little kids because that's what I grew up in. I grew up around here. That's, that's what I should have. And thanks to an aggressive realtor and the VA's home loan program, I was able to get that four-bedroom house to the tune of 55% of my take-home pay going to pay my mortgage. Uh, we had enough money to push strollers down the paths in our neighborhood and to go to the Smithsonian's uh, because they were free. We were practically too broke to pay attention to each other. Um, even after joining, after going back out in the Air Force and, and coming back to BCC about five years ago, my attitude towards money and giving was I will give to the church something that I come up with after all of my bills are paid. That's how that worked for the Duhadways. Um, if the money area in your life has a lot of old man business still happening in it, uh, what, I'd, what I would suggest is you start looking at these 
uh, on your worksheets, I've got a little block between old man and new man, and I'm going to challenge you to maybe put a mark or something down there. Uh, maybe it's a word, a reminder to yourself about I want to do something different in this area. But kind of grade yourself, and you don't have to do it in front of the guys here if you don't want to, but I want you to start considering where are you on that old man, new man scale? Has, has God got a hold of the money area of your life yet? All right, let's talk about work because it's just too painful for me to go on about how bad I've been with my money. Um, are you in the mix with your coworkers competing for the next big raise, the next big account, the next promotion? Uh, are you stressed out about what moves you need to make next? Where are you on that? Are you, are you the old man still when it comes to your work? Has, has God got a hold of you in your career yet? With your uh, you know, in your family life, what's your free time look like? You fill in your life with sports statistics and stock market timing and news binging. And what about your spiritual life? Do the people who encounter you assume that you think about the world pretty much like they do? Have they noticed anything different about you? Do you pretty much fit in with the unbelievers that you encounter today? So let me just defer to the Holy Spirit if you find yourself convicted in any way about this. I'm just asking you to consider the ways that you might be living as the Gentiles do today. Um, if the Spirit is leading you to change in one of these areas, remember the steps here are first get to the source of the truth. Identify your old ways, lay them down, develop some right thinking, and put on the new man with God's help. Don't let this framework, though, convince you that you can carve out just one part of your life, like the spiritual side of your life, for God and then keep the other parts for yourself, okay? That is not what the Christian life is all about. Some friends of mine and I that, that run most every Saturday, we've been studying mere Christianity for a while today, and I love this section about it. C.S. Lewis says, the Christian way is different. It's harder and easier. Christ says, give me all. I don't want so much of your time and so much of your money and so much of your work. I want you. It is not about 10% of my whatever. I'll give that to God and I'll keep the other 90. It's I'm in for 100% across the board in every aspect. And I'm not there, guys. And I venture to say you're not there either. Given this new year, maybe it's time to start considering where you are on some of this. Now, I don't want this to be utterly overwhelming. This is a thanks for inviting me to base camp, Dewey. This is fabulous. I've really enjoyed being here today. See ya. Okay, that's, that's not what I want you to walk out of here with. But I do want you to, as you start considering what you want to you know, do for next steps, let me encourage you, come back next Tuesday morning because Alex is going to break down what the scriptures talk about specifically uh, in terms of uh, a lot of the spiritual walk in your spiritual life. But if you, are, if you are interested in attacking some of this stuff, let me offer you some just practical ways of breaking some of this stuff down. First of all, be specific. Take one area that God is challenging you to give over more completely. Determine what it is. Uh, write it down. Let your brothers know what you're working on. Talk to your wife. Talk to your family. Say, this is, this is what I, I want to work on. But make it a specific thing. Name it. Second, you want it to be a little measurable event. Maybe it's, I, I want to be able to show that I wrote down my budget and I, I actually did the math and I want to see exactly 
what I'm spending on or exactly how much we're giving. Or maybe, maybe it's a, a food diary or a workout diary. I'm going to measure how many times I'm running or lifting weights or whatever this month. Measure what you're doing. It will help you. Maybe it's a, a daily devotional that you're doing and you're, you're going through every day and I'm putting a mark in my daily devotional so I'm working through the Bible that way. But have something that you can measure. Have it be something you can actually achieve, okay? This is, uh, you know, and put it in the I can do this category, not through the I'm going to read through the entire Bible this afternoon, okay? That's, that's not what we want. We want some baby steps when we're a- approaching change. I would strongly encourage you to out some help from other believers in these, uh, in whatever area that you're talking about uh, that, you're, that the Spirit is, is challenging you with. Uh, the Bible, to my knowledge, does not contain a workout regimen and very few recipes, I think there's a couple, all right? So, but, you know, it's got a lot of principles about money, but no specific instructions about how to make a budget. So if you're after change in those specific areas, find somebody around your table that is skilled and able in these areas and ask them to show you how to do it. There's a lot of other great resources from other believers on this and every other topic. One thing you can't do, though, is pick up a book in the business section written by the rest of the world and try to do it that way. That way is not going to work. That's what Paul is telling you. Last thing I'd offer you is give yourself a due date or a deadline for your first steps. You know, like, I'm going to write down my February budget before February starts. You know, give yourself a target. I'm going to read the Gospel of John by the end of January. Uh, But the time limit will, will keep you moving forward. Okay. Before we get into these, these questions, I mentioned that we would talk about some famous resolutions. Some of you know who Jonathan Edwards is. Uh, he started making resolutions by the time he was 18, maybe 19 years old. He's got a list of 70 resolutions that he went back to over and over through his life. These are just a few. Now, his uh, resolution number five, resolve never to lose one moment of time, but improve it in the most profitable way I possibly can. Resolution six, resolve to live with all my might while I do live. And I love this one, resolution seven. Resolve never to do anything which I should be afraid to do if it were the last hour of my life. As you start your discussions again this morning, you know, begin to consider. If this is a new year and you want to make a change, look at everything God's given you. Figure out what God is talking to you about and Accept the challenge that he's given you. Don't make it about, you know, I'm going to drink less Diet Coke this year. I mean, that's great if you do that. That's fine. But, you know, let let God in. Don't do what everybody else is doing. All right, so for discussion this morning, what's one example of futility or darkening of mind in your life, and what area does it show up most frequently? Okay. What's your plan about how you will hear Jesus? How will you be taught in him? And finally, what are your spiritual goals for 2017 and how can your brothers around your table encourage you to keep them? Thanks, man. God is good.